Good morning, Passage Way. God is good, isn't he? Uh, just three things I just want to encourage us with that God's been speaking to my heart for our church, for our passageway, for you in particular. Number one, this is the year of the church, I believe. Uh, and I listen, there's some work we have to do. Our pastor just mentioned we need to fast and, and pray. And I think prayer needs to be going back up in the church like we used to have. Um, so uh, we need, if, if we're going to be part of the church, listen, we can't sit back and let God do it all. God uses people. He uses vessels to work through. That means he wants to use you, but are you conditioned for him to use you? Are you seeking his face? You know, God's going to work through people who are seeking him, who are praying, who are fasting. He called for the priest, get before the altar, stand in the gap. Who's doing that? If we're going to be part of the church, and I do believe this is the year of the church, there is a part we have to play. And I, and I believe, you know, um, for me personally, I, I, I'm going to start fasting one day a week like I used to. And, um, and I encourage you to fast and pray. I, I think, again, we need prayer here at the church. But this is the year of the church. Number two, passageway is a house of bread. And I, I, I want, I, I'm mentioning this again because I want it to get in our spirits. We are a house of bread. A, we are a house of provision. We may not have all the big stuff that the big churches have, but we have bread in our house. We have the word in our house. And we have the spirit of God here in this place. So I want you to begin to create. Listen. I can speak it all day long, but until you receive it, it's not going to mean anything to you. So you need to start decreeing, I'm in the house of bread. This is a house of bread. I'm in a place of provision. Okay? And then uh, number three, um, and it just slipped my mind. Um, the other night I was reading the scripture, and the Lord brought me over into Romans where it says, soon. God will bruise Satan under your feet. And, and I believe that as we fast, as we pray, as we take God at his word, that there is provision for us. Listen, we have been under some attacks. We heard all the prayer requests this morning. But I believe that there is a point where God steps in and says, enough is enough. All these attacks against my people are going to stop because I'm going to step in. And so I believe that, that God would speak to us today and say, soon I will crush Satan under your feet, under your feet. Amen? So that's what I just wanted to share this morning. Be encouraged. This is our year. This is a place of bread. And soon our God will step in and, and he will fight our battles for us and with us and crush our enemy. Ecclesiastics. It's uh, Ecclesiastics chapter 3, verse 1. It says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under the sun. What we're going to look at briefly this morning, and what I feel like the Lord is speaking, and uh, I want to. Uh, let me see if I can find my some notes here. 
is we're going to look at purpose. Amen. I really believe the Lord has been speaking purpose. Uh, and I believe the Lord is speaking purpose to His church. Amen. Every human being that's walked the face of this earth has been designated a purpose. You're not here by accident. You're not here by happenstance. You were designed and created for a purpose. Now, whether you fulfill that purpose or not is up to you. Amen? But every person, I don't care who that person, you can think of the worst person in the world. Amen? They were designed with a purpose from God. Amen? And it wasn't always the purpose that they manifest in their lives. And so they didn't fulfill the purpose, I believe, that God had for them. But I'm going to read real quickly here, then we're going to get into the Word. <clears throat> it says, clarifying what the Bible says about your purpose helps you in three important ways. It declares why you exist. I hear people talk and that people don't even know why they exist. The question will come up, why was I even born? Why am I here? What is my purpose? It declares why you exist. It captures the heart of why you are on this earth and why Jesus died for you. It defines your life not in terms of what you think, but what God thinks. See, it's not necessarily what you think, but it's what God thinks. It anchors your life in the character and call of God. Number three, it clarifies the non-negotiables. It identifies what never changes about who you are, regardless of the circumstances. You were created for a purpose. And that purpose never changes. It's God-given, God-ordained, God-designed. Amen? Now it's up to you to walk in it. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2, it says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out a matter. It's up to you to search out that what God has placed on the inside of you. Amen. It's up to you to seek and search because God has planted something on the inside of each one of us that He wants us to tap into and begin to produce fruit from. You've been given an assignment. Most of us don't walk in our assignment. We walk according to our own thoughts and our own ways. Amen? But God has given you an assignment and it's up to us to begin to search out that assignment that God has given unto us. Most of us will go through our entire life without even seeking or trying to reveal what our purpose is. We just all go through the motions all of our life. I mean, and, and, and that's what we do. I want to take you over to, to the book of Esther real quickly. Esther chapter 4. We all know this story, but I want to, I want to take you to, I want to try to get you to several passages. Uh, folks, you will be amazed once you begin to start looking at this, how many people tried to escape their God-given purpose. How many people said, I don't want to do that. God, I don't want to get, I don't want that assignment or I don't want that purpose. Amen. 
and they try to walk away. But over in Esther, the book of Esther, we all know the story here. It says in Esther chapter 4, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I want to begin in verse 1. It says, when Mordecai learned that uh, all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city, and he cried with a loud and bitter cry. And he went as far as front of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. Okay, now there was a plan that had come about by uh, by a man that it was to destroy all the Jews, to literally have the whole Jewish nation or people wiped out, if you will. And Mordecai found out about it, and he began to. It says that he put on sackcloth and ashes, and he went at, to the king's gate. And he went so far, as far as he could, and he couldn't go any further. And he began to uh, uh, lament the news that he had heard, all right? And so it says that in, every, in verse 3, And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. And it says, so Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. Now, I, I don't have time to break this whole thing down today, but we're going to get on down to it. And we all know the part that we're, where I'm going. But I want you to understand, amen. There was a plan and a purpose, not only for Esther, but for Mordecai. Mordecai, it was Mordecai's purpose, amen, when he found out the news, amen, he went to the person that he knew that could maybe uh, have access to the king. And so he goes to Esther, and, and we see him coming to Esther. And so uh, in verse uh, 12 it says, So they told Mordecai Esther's words, and Mordecai told them, to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than, uh, than all the other Jews. Amen. See, Esther had a concern, but Esther had a place where she wasn't really concerned for her own safety or the people that were with her, her own entourage, if you will. But she was, her heart went out to the people. Amen. And, and she was, she had a concern for the people, but she really thought, hey, I'm, I'm good. I, you know, and that's how we are a lot of times, folks, is we, we see the need that's out there. We all heard the prayer request this morning, and we get moved a little bit by that, but then we go on our merry way, amen. We come together and we'll pray for two or three minutes on a Sunday morning, amen, and then we'll forget about it for all the rest of the week, amen. And then, you know, because our life is, you know, Things aren't perfect, but it's not so bad. And so we put all those other things aside, amen. But Mordecai said, hey, Esther, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that you're sitting there in the king's palace and you're the queen there. And you're thinking that, well, oh, this ain't really going to touch me. I know it's going to hurt me because I'm going to see all the people and the, and the, and the things happen. The bad, but it's not really going to touch me, amen. And that's how we are a lot of times. We see the need and the concern out there, but it's not really touching me at the moment. Amen. Because when it touches you, then you want the whole church to come together and begin to pray. Amen. That's just how it is. 
And we're human. That's how we're built. That's how how we think. But Esther thought, well, you know, I'll do what I can. And Mordecai, he says, look, girl, I wish I had time to get into Esther's story. Esther was an orphan, all right, raised by her uncle, a girl of great beauty that got recognized you know, modeling agency reached out and said, hey, Esther, you know, we want to take you before the king. You understand? And so here's Esther. And Mordecai says, and Mordecai told him to answer Esther. Hey, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I've heard the question and I've asked it myself if I'd be totally honest with you. Why am I here? Why was I born? Uh, I mean, really, don't, don't we all at some point in our life when things are going a struggle or when we're having a really tough time or things don't seem to be going just the way we want them to go and it seems like you, you, we've tried and we've tried and we've tried and we've tried and it seems like we just can't overcome and then you get to the point. We, you've all, most of us have all seen Maybe some of you younger kids, I know my kids have seen it at my house, but you've all seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life, Christmas time, and he's ready to jump off the bridge, you know, and this and that, and he's, he's thinking it'd be better off if I wasn't even born, and then he goes through that, you know. We've all come to that point in our life sometimes when it's like, well, I'd be better off if I wasn't even here. Folks, that's why the suicide rate is so high as people are, are coming to the conclusion that I, I, why was I even born? I'd be better off if I wasn't even here. And that's the sad thing about it. But who knows for whether, uh, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. This is what our pastor was kind of just mentioning. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Esther said, look, Mordecai, I want you, look, I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. See, it was Mordecai's purpose to present the case to Esther. You see what I'm saying? Mordecai had a purpose. God had a plan for Mordecai's life. It was that the plan would be revealed to Mordecai. Mordecai would go to Esther, which was his niece, amen, and be present this uh, accusations and everything before the king. See, we look at it as all Esther sometimes when a lot of it was Mordecai. He's the one that had raised that girl. He's the one that brought her in and raised her as a daughter. 
And then it was Esther's purpose to go before the king. See, God had a plan and a purpose. And if you read on through the story, you see where the tables get uh, turned. And was it Haman, if I'm not mistaken? It, it, it's Haman that, that, and, and all of his cohorts that the tables get turned. And what they hand, had planned for the Jews got turned around and got taken out on them. But God had a plan and a purpose. I want to take you real quickly to John chapter 4. I want, you, I want to take you to some things that maybe you haven't seen before. I want to take you real quickly to John chapter, uh, the book of John, or the gospel of John chapter 4. You think, I, it, we, we all ask, what's, what's my purpose? It, it, when you're telling me I have a purpose, what's my purpose? What's God's plan? I can't necessarily tell you what God's plan is for your life, but I can tell you that God has a plan for your life. I can tell you that God wants you to seek and to search that plan out. God doesn't give us the whole book all at once, but He'll give you a page. And he'll say, read this page. And after you've read, read that page, and after you've understood that page, I'm going to give you another page. And then I'll give you another. And as you begin to uh, uh, open up and begin to understand, it, those pages become quicker and become uh, faster. Amen. Does that make sense? Sometimes we can get stuck on one page our whole life. And God's sitting up there with a whole book, said, I've got all this that I need you to be able to, 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 be able to read. But we get stuck on one page. And God says, I have more for you. <clears throat> Over in the book, uh, Gospel of John, chapter 1, says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Now, in, in my Bible, the New King James, it says, But he needed to go through Samaria. Pastor, are you there? And how, how, how's that verse read in the... In, and, uh, and he must needs go through Samaria. Now there was Jesus. He was, um, you know, they were talking about him making disciples and baptizing. And it says he's leaving Judea. He's, but the Bible says that he must need go through Samaria. Something was waiting in Samaria, amen, that he had to go to Samaria. That, 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 that no matter what else was taking place or what was on the agenda, the Bible said he had to go to some... There was something that needed to be addressed, something that had to be done in Samaria before anything else was to be accomplished. Does everybody know what that was? Amen. That, that the story as we're leading up to... Jesus, there. the Bible said that he needed, he had to go first to Samaria. Why? Because there was a woman at a well waiting for instructions, amen, so that her life could uh, take on the plan and the purpose that she had been designed for since her birth, amen. 
There was a time and a destination, amen, that this woman was waiting for. She didn't even know it, amen. But the time came when Jesus was leaving Judea, amen, and he says, hey, guys, before we go anywhere else, I've got to go to, 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 some, um, to some Mary. I've got to go. What's going on? Don't worry about it. You just follow me. And so they're coming here. And it says, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, Sychar, and near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, set thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now my understanding, it would have been about noon. Okay, The sun would have probably been hot. He had probably been walking all morning long. He comes down, sits there at the well, and the Bible, he just plants himself right there. Amen. And so a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Amen. Jesus says, hey guys, I'm going to set myself right here by the well. Amen. And I want you to go on into town and I want you to get us some food. And I'll be waiting right here when you get back, amen. But you all go on into town, amen, because he didn't really tell him. He said, you know, he knew I've got something to do right here at this well. <clears throat> then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews, for the Jews have no dealings with Samaritan. And I don't have time to get into that. We'll come back to that another day. And Jesus went on to tell her, If you knew the gift of God, who, is, uh, who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to her, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? And he proceeded to tell her and go on and, and, and describe uh, the living water. And, he's, and, and, and then in verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not, may not thirst nor come, uh, nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. Now we know that this woman had what, five husbands already. And the man that she was living with wasn't her husband. Amen. This is not a woman that was probably, there's probably a reason why the woman went to the well by herself. You, you, you all understand what I'm saying here? There are probably a lot of people that wanted to beat the tar out of this woman. Right? Let's just put it in, in, in terms we can understand here today. Amen. There's no sense beating around the bush. There's the, probably a lot of women, other women out there that was kind of looking for this lady, thinking if I can get a hold of her, <clears throat> she done stole my husband and she stole so-and-so's husband and she stole so-and-so's so, uh, husband over here and now she's living with uh, oh, oh, oh Bob down the street down here. Amen? Sometimes we've got to put it in terms we understand. And the woman says, uh, it says uh, he said, go call your husband and come here. And the woman said, I, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. And she goes on and says, I, I, I perceive that you're, you're a prophet. 
And uh, and if you read on down through the story, you'll see where, where she says, uh, you know, we're waiting on the Messiah. And it, everybody says, well, Jesus, Jesus never said or declared to be, the, you know, the Messiah or, or, you know. But he tells the woman, hey, I'm him. We're waiting on the Messiah. We're waiting on the one that they, they call the Christ. And Jesus tells her, hey, they don't wait any longer. You're looking at him. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. Amen. But my point is, let me get back to my point. She had a purpose and a plan for her life because immediately, immediately when she had spoken to Jesus, the Bible says she runs into town and, and goes, who does she go? Listen, I, I don't have time to get this, but, but she runs straight to the men folk instead of the women folk. Amen. She runs straight to the men folk. I don't have time to get into this, but, but you'll read there where she runs straight to the men folk there and says, look, guys, I've met someone, and I think he's the Messiah. There, and revival broke out in the city of Samaria when she went. And, and it, you understand that there was a plan and a purpose for that woman's life. Amen. You would look at her thinking, well, God ain't going to use that woman, amen. God ain't going to use that one. Of all the women there in the city of Samaria, that's probably the one that God's not going to use, amen. But God had a plan and a purpose, amen, before that woman was ever born, that Jesus knew that that woman's going to be sitting at that well on that very exact day when he was going to say, I must need go to Samaria, amen. And that that exact woman that had been created Amen. Before the foundations of the earth was setting at that wealth. Amen. And the whole city came to repentance. Amen. And salvation. Because the, the God's plan and that purpose for that woman. You hold the key for somebody else. There was somebody that's bound up and locked up, amen. And they don't understand why they can't get out. And they don't have the ability to get out themselves, amen. And they've prayed and they've prayed and they've prayed. But I'm telling you, I don't know who it is, but you, amen, hold the key for somebody else. God has designed and planned and purposed for your life, amen, to be a link to somebody else just as somebody had a key for you one day. You're all here because one day you heard the message spoken by a preacher or a person somewhere. Maybe years and years ago. But somebody had the key that unlocked that door for you. And when they unlocked that door for you, you walked in asking God to save you. Asking God to forgive you. Amen. You understand what I'm telling you? Somebody had a key that unlocked the door for you. Now you hold that key for somebody else. You might not even understand the plan and the purpose for God that God has for you for your life, amen. 
But I assure you that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And you hold the key. That woman held the key for an entire city. You understand what I'm telling you? When she heard the message and received the good news from Jesus, she held the key to unlock the door for all those people. I take you to the book of Jonah. Jonah, one day, God says, Jonah, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh and I want you to preach repentance there because if they don't repent, they're going to perish. I want to bring destruction on them. Jonah said, I ain't going to Nineveh. <laughs> Not me. Not me. I, I've heard some bad things about Nineveh. I ain't going to Nineveh. I'm going to pack my bags. I'm going to buy me a ticket on a ship. And my, I'm headed to Tarshish. I'm not, I'm not, going, I'm not going to Nineveh. Mm -mm. No, not me, God. You sent somebody else to, not, not me. I ain't going to Nineveh. No way, no how. I'm going the total opposite direction. Amen. Jonah gets on that boat. First thing that happens is a storm brews up. Amen. The captain on the boat, the sailors on the boat said, somebody on this boat's causing some problems, amen. Jonah's down in there sleeping. Ain't bothering me none. I'm out of here. I ain't going to Nineveh. I don't care where I go, but I ain't going to Nineveh. And those dudes say, that, look, hey, we're going to find out who the culprit is on this thing. And, and, and it come down to Jonah, and Jonah says, yeah, well, all right, boys, I guess it's me. And they say, well, you know, Jonah, we like you and all, but you're going overboard. <laughs> I'm sorry. God forgive me. How many of us? I'm the world's worst, man. That it, I, God forgive me, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Those dudes on that boat, <laughs> God forgive me, but Jonah, you're going out. We don't wish ill for you, but, you know, it's you or us. And, and, you know, there are more of us than there is of you, so you're going over. So they grabbed Jonah. I want you to look at this. Turn over to the book of Jonah real quickly. I, I know I'm going long, folks. I'll get you out of here. Bear with me just a little bit. If I can find the book of Jonah. I want you to understand and see something here. Some of you may have not seen this before. I want you to look at this. Jonah chapter uh, uh, 1 and verse 17. Now we see that they cast lots. The lot fell on Jonah. The captain says, Jonah, I like you, boy, but you're going over the side. Amen. And the Bible says that they took Jonah and they threw him over the side of the boat. And look, at, look, at, look real quickly at verse 17. Now I'm reading now the New King James, but I want you to look at verse 17. It says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. I want, you to, I want you to grasp hold of what I just read. That God had prepared before Jonah went over the side of the boat, God had already prepared a fish for the moment Jonah went off that boat and into the water. I want listen folks, I want that to sink in for just a second. God knew that Jonah was going to say, I'm out of here. 
He knew the very boat that Jonah was going to get on. He knew the very place that the storm was going to whip up. And before all that had taken place, God had already created and prepared a giant fish over here that when Jonah hit the water, that fish was going to come and swoop up Jonah. Does that make everybody get that? Plan and purpose. A plan and purpose. Jonah's in the belly of the, uh, what we call it, the story of the, the whale. I don't know if it was a whale or not. The Bible says it's a big fish. God had planned and prepared and already made preparations for that. Jonah's there in the belly of the whale, we'll say, for three days and three nights. And he says, God, forgive me and get me out of here. If you want me to go to Nineveh, I'll go to Nineveh. We know that the whale, the fish, spit Jonah out. He goes to Nineveh. And a whole city comes to repentance because of Jonah's preaching. You understand my point in this? Plan and purpose. You're not here by accident. God has a plan. God has a purpose. Amen? The woman with the issue of blood, I, I, I speak on her all the time. This woman, my, my heart goes out to this woman, and I love this story. I love this story. I believe it was Jarius uh, that had his daughter was sick, and Jesus, they'd come and says, hey, will you come and, and heal my child? And on his way to heal that child, in the midst of all those people, we know the story of the woman with the issue of blood that said to herself, if I can just but touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. We all know the story that as she reaches out, touches the hem of his garment, that immediately the Bible says that the issue of blood stopped. And we've all heard, and I've taught many times, that, you know, that you know, Jesus says, who touched me? And immediately Jesus turned and says, who touched me? And we all know this, the disciples' reactions. That if, you know, Lord, all these people... Are, are, are grabbing at you and tugging you and pulling on you and, and touching you. And you want to say, who touched me? I want you to understand this. I want you to get this. And you can read it for yourself in Matthew chapter 5, I believe it is. Jesus was not asking because he did not know. You understand? He did not ask who touched me because he didn't know who touched him. He knew exactly who touched him. Because if you look, I believe it's in Mark chapter 5, you'll see where Jesus turned. And in my mind's eye, Jesus already knew who touched him. He turns and sees the little woman standing there and their eyes meet. I, you can read it for yourself over in Matthew chapter 5. There was a plan and there was a purpose wasn't happenstance that he was going to that man's house to heal that child and that woman happened to be there. There was a plan and a purpose for that woman to be there on that day because you'll see where Jesus looked and looked at her and she knew instantly when Jesus looked at her that she'd been caught. There was a plan and a purpose 
everything that Jesus did was done with a plan and a purpose. In the book of Jeremiah, it says, I know the plans that I have for your life. The Bible says, before we were formed in our mother's womb, he knew us. Scripture after scripture after scripture of God saying, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. Even when you think you're past your prime, the story over in the book of Acts, there's a man named Saul that's going and he's persecuting the church. And he's there as they stone Stephen. He's holding the coats of those who would stone Stephen and kill Stephen. And he's there as they're stoning Stephen. And as he leaves that, he gets authority from, from the, uh, the Roman government and from the Jewish authorities as well to go forth and to persecute and arrest every church person, every church member, man or woman, the Bible says, that he could find. And on his journey, we know that he, he's going and, and the Lord speaks to him and he says, Hey, Saul, boy, what are you doing? What are you doing? The Bible says, you know, who's, who's, who's talking to me? I'm paraphrasing here. You can read it, but we all know the story. He said, who's talking? So it, 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 I'm the one you're persecuting. I'm the, one, I'm the one that you're trying to. And the Bible says at that time, he, he went blind. That he couldn't see after that encounter. And so they took him to a house. And he was sitting at that house blind, not knowing what to do. And God spoke to a gentleman by the name of Ananias that was a faithful servant, up in age, up in age. Then he spoke to Ananias and he said, Ananias, I want you to go and I want you to pray for Saul. And when you pray for Saul, his eyes are going to be opened. And Ananias says, hey, Lord, I hear what you're saying, but I've, I've watched the news. I, I've seen the news. I flipped over to CNN, and I've seen what Saul's doing to all the people. And, and Lord, if it's all right with you, I, I really don't want no part of that. I, I really don't want to have anything to do with this guy because... He's arresting and persecuting every church person that he can get his hands on. And God spoke to Ananias and said, Ananias, he's my chosen vessel. And I need you to go. And I need you to pray for him. You understand what I'm saying? That God had already prepared Ananias to go to Saul and pray for Saul. Amen. Sometimes we think, well, I'm past my prime. I've already, I've already, you know, I'm, 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 listen, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. 
It may not be to stand up here behind this podium and speak to crowds of people, but listen to what God's speaking because He may be saying, I want you to go pray for this person over here that nobody else will even touch. I want you to go and minister to this person that everybody else rejects and wants nothing to do with. I want you to, to reach out to the downtrodden and to those that are, that are uh, less than. See, we all know the, story, the, the name of Billy Graham, but very few know, and there's a story behind that of the man that he led, that led Billy Graham to the Lord. Some of us may recognize the name Billy Sunday. Some of you may not. And a lot of us know the story of Billy Sunday, or at least part of the story, but we don't know, hear a lot of the, what led up to that. You hold the key for someone else. Your name may not ever be in the limelight, but the person that you hold the key for may. You understand what I'm telling you? God has a plan and God has a purpose, and I got to get you guys out of here. God has a plan and a purpose. God has a destiny for your life. God has a plan of good things and to prosper you. Amen. Let's all stand. I got to get you guys going. I hope that you got something from this today. God loves you this morning. God wants to bless you, but in blessing you, God wants you to be a blessing to others. You will look, as you begin to look through this and research this out, you will see time after time after time after time after time. Plan and purpose. Plan and purpose. You will see those that fulfilled the plan and the purpose of their life and you will read the stories of some that did not but God wants you to walk in his plans and his purpose that he has for your life and I assure you it may be difficult but it's going to be so worthwhile I want to leave you with this I, and just bear with me for just a moment as you stand last Sunday was very special to me and I'll, I'll give you just a real brief story. And this has to do with me personally. I was probably four or five years old. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard this story before. We would go out. My grandfather passed when I was little, little bitty. And back then, things were a lot different, you know, than they are now because families seemed to be closer. And they were, I remember when I was four or five years old going out to the Bixby Cemetery. And as I would be out there at the Bixby Cemetery, you know, you've got those headstones, you know, about this tall. And I remember being behind those headstones 
just preaching my, my head off at, at four or five years old to the best of my four or five-year-old ability. And the reason I'm telling you this, at four or five, I believe God had a destiny for my life, a plan and a purpose for my life. And as I got older, I too ran from God. I too went and did my own thing, my own way. What I thought was best for me. And I left God way back in the back somewhere. But God never left me. He was always with me. And he was always there to undergird me and protect me. And the reason I'm telling you this, it's now 50-something years later, and I stand here this morning as an ordained pastor, and I, I say that very humbly. But my point is, God's plans don't change. God's purpose doesn't change. And some 50 years later, maybe, maybe, I'm walking partially in God's plan and God's purpose for my life. Does that make sense? So, no matter how much time passes... God's plans and God's purpose never change. And if you will allow Him, they will be fulfilled in your life. Amen? God loves you this morning with an everlasting love. God wants only the best for you this morning. God wants no harm to come to you or your family. Begin to search God's plans and God's purpose out for your life. And I believe God's going to begin to hand you another page and then another page and you're going to begin to see that plan and that purpose begin to work out in your life. Amen. Thank you.